I don't know if you know who Boots Riley is. He wrote an essay and he wrote a critique on black Klansmen. Okay. His first uh, point is that he says this is not a true story. Welcome to the Onyx Life, where change comes with challenge. Every episode, we take you on a journey, moving you from the struggle life to the Onyx Life, creating happy homes, financial empires, and exploring the lighter side of life. My name is Merthel. And I'm Rita. Today on Rita Reviews, we're actually going to be talking about Black Klansman, the movie. So yesterday, we saw Black Klansman starring John David Washington and Adam Driver, and directed by Spike Lee. And it is a story, it's a true story about a man named Ron Stallworth. He was the first black detective hired in the Colorado Springs, Colorado Police Department. And initially he's assigned to work in the records room where he faces harassment and things by his coworkers. He requests to go to go undercover and is assigned to a local rally for national civil rights leader Kwame Ture, or as others may know, Stokely Carmichael. And at the rally, he meets uh, a lady by the name of Patrice, and they start up a relationship. After the rally, he's actually transferred to now the intelligence division. And while he's there, he's reading the paper and he finds an advertisement to join the Ku Klux Klan. I always say Ku, Ku Klux Klan. And he calls and pretends to be a white man. And he speaks with the leader of the local chapter and they start a rapport. And what he does is he recruits one of his coworkers who actually happens to be Jewish by the name of Flip Zimmerman. And he pretends to be Ron in person with the Ku Klux Klan, while Ron, the black uh, undercover officer, is on the phone. And so the movie basically tracks them as they continue to build a relationship with this chapter, and they monitor them, and they prevent a... Well, the attack happened, but not in the way that they wanted it to on the Ku Klux Klan's um, on end. They wanted to inflict some casualties but they were able to stop it from happening to the others so what did you think about the movie um i i liked the movie as a movie um i i thought that it had enough interesting points in the movie to keep my attention i did not fall asleep as i usually do in movies <laughs> So, I, I did like the movie. Um, as far as it being a civil rights movie that would rally uh, the public towards action, um, considering all the things that are happening in our society today, police brutality, um, and just the things in Charlottesville and... Um, the president and some of the things that people feel about how he says certain things that stirs up race. I, I, I don't feel like this movie was, you know, like drop the mic type of movie where it's going to rally people to want to actually do something about it. I just feel it was just a movie. Well, I think that you're cynical, you, you're cynical and a little bit desensitized or a lot desensitized 
because we have seen movie after movie and important speech after important speech and all these things occur and nothing seems to be changing. Nothing seems to be working. That's true. Rallies. Um, That's true. And, and, and it just seems like, what will this do? But I'll tell you, I feel that a forest is starts off with one tree being planted and so as these seeds are being dropped the rallies the movies the songs the twitter um exposés the the people talking about their experience the the voting that is occurring and will be occurring again in november and i think that all of these will come together for a cumulative effect and hopefully making a difference that's well said that is very well said i think I think that I'm very cynical right now. I agree. Um, I just have seen so much happen. And the response, it doesn't seem like there is a group of people rallying together to meet any of the genuine needs in this world. And I'm not just talking about black issues. I'm just talking about issues, period. We could talk about global, the climate. It just seems like everything is so confused and there is no rallying point. And the people that are able to get things done are the ones that generally are not on the side that I'm looking at. I know, right? It's just, and it just, it, yeah. it's like... Democrats, uh, uh, they seem, it's just... Uh, yeah, but I'm not a Democrat. So it's like, I'm not even talking about necessarily Democrat versus Republican. I'm not Republican, I'm not Democrat. I'm just talking about issues that matter to me. Yeah. Just does not seem to be, um, there doesn't seem to be a cohesive voice mm -hmm. and a group that is going to advocate for that and i mm -hmm. frank frankly a lot of the issues that i believe in and a lot of the issues that i take heart to i believe that there is a silent majority of all colors races creeds that actually can resonate with what i'm saying it's just that unfortunately i don't know where that group is mm. The movie in and of itself though i thought was one of the most enjoyable spike lee movies that i've seen I have liked some of Spike Lee's movies, and then there have been some movies where I'm like, I I get it, but I don't like it. Right. This is one of the ones I really liked. I think the acting was impeccable. The the screenshots. It wasn't. You know, sometimes he does a little abstract in his movies. Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that in this one. Until the I end. felt like it was <laughs> his classic. You know. His... Yeah, but I don't even feel like that was abstract. He was no. just juxtaposing. All the words from David Duke and our president and and, and highlighting what happened in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, this opening of this film happened on the one year anniversary of the Charlottesville rally. So mm -hmm. it was very poignant. But as you know, I was really impressed with Corey Hawkins. He plays Kwame Ture or Stokely Carmichael. Mm -hmm. And the speech that he did at the rally for the Black Student Union for the local um, college, I thought he did an amazing job wow I, I, it was so good i don't know something is wrong with me but i just am not like it was just a speech to me it, it just didn't it didn't rally me it didn't it did not make me feel like yes, mm, yes. I, I don't think it was just but I feel words like they i've took heard his, that before and i think they actually took his words you know mm -hmm. and um for me i thought it was just so stirring as if i was hearing straight from from stokely carmichael or kwame Ture. Mm -hmm. i felt like i was there i felt like i was listening to it and it was very stirring to me if i were there for his initial speech at that time 
maybe I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the feeling that I have, but I have the I have the position of hindsight where I can look back and I can see that there has been so many great words yet where are we? You know what? We're better than where we were before. And a lot of that has been through words like I have a dream and things like that. So I'm grateful for everybody putting in their time and their effort with their words. And even like on, like I said, on social media, outing people who are harassing people and, Mm -hmm. and, and congratulating or affirming people who are trying to do something positive. Another part of the movie that I thought was very poignant was when Harry Belafonte came on as Jerome Turner and they were talking about a lynching that occurred. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, man, it must have been like in the early early 1900s. Like at that point, it must mm-hmm. have been in like the 20s. Um, and at that point, it was stirring because you saw real photos. They're black and white and they were mm-hmm. a little bit fuzzy. But you saw what actually like the aftermath. And there was one photo I was looking at. And I thought to myself, like in the middle... Um, is the the young the young man who was or he wasn't even a man he was a boy, the young boy um, who was burned and and lynched and and horrible things, and you saw him smoking but around surrounded by him I thought he was in a field of flowers I kept trying to see and I was like what is that what is that and then it hit me and I realized. Around this time, the, the style was to wear a lot of hats, straw hats, and those um, mm-hmm. certain type of hats. All those dots were not flowers. It was a humongous mob of white people in their hats just watching the spectacle. Wow. And I was floored. And wow. I know that people have talked about um, where the origin of picnic came from. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to go and watch a, a lynching. We're going to pick and pick the n-word and we're gonna go so i understand where all that came from but Mm -hmm. i think just seeing the picture of it was just like whoa this is something else and well it certainly reminds us that we have come a long way it's just i mean as discouraging as it is that we can have um leadership that is a throwback to an era that we thought we had left it is encouraging to know that i can still walk outside in my neighborhood and not be lynched, you know, um, and, and not be lynched in the masses. It's st- it's illegal. It's, you know, and someone may hold people accountable. Right. There, we- there may be a facet of society like police, um, corrupt police, I should say. I shouldn't mm-hmm. just say police, but corrupt police. There's a facet of society that is still into um, somewhat of a, a lynching style of addressing black people. But at the end of the day, you know, I have to at least celebrate the advances that we have yes absolutely and we have definitely made some progress it's interesting when you said i can't say all police i have to say corrupt police in the movie ron stallworth has his girlfriend now patrice and when she does find out that he is a police officer or um detective really she said are you going to give in your resignation i cannot sleep with the enemy i cannot be with you as in and you're working in that institution and he was saying i have always wanted to be a, a police officer i've always mm-hmm. wanted this and i can help change within the system and she said no you can't change within the system and what do you think about that because i personally think you need to have people inside you the absolutely system. absolutely have to have people inside the system i mean <laughs> 
I mean, if you don't have anybody um, to be in the system, to be able to hold people accountable, then I believe that the corruption would be even far worse. I, there was a time where there was no black cops and and all you had was bad cops, a lot of racist cops and in a racist society. And then you had a lot of silent cops that if they didn't believe in the racism, they were just silent. And frankly, with that kind of setup, we go nowhere. In fact, um, Martin Luther King, you know, he made a statement about um, the silence of our friends when things are happening that are wrong is is worse than even the the actions, the immoral actions of our enemies. It wasn't exactly that that he said. I, I know that there's a saying, but the point is, is he was pointing to the silence of supposed good people. And to me, I feel that when we're in a situation like we're in in our society, and the evils in our system that are completely unjust, I really have a problem mostly with the silence, the silence of people that think they're good because it could never continue if people rose up and said, no, this is wrong. Mm. Well, there is a, I don't know if you know who Boots Riley is, and for those who may not know who Boots Riley, he actually has a movie called Sorry to Bother You. And he's the director of that one. And I heard that one is a really good movie too. But um, maybe we'll review that on another podcast. But he had a critique. He wrote an essay and he wrote a critique on Black Klansmen. And he said that, um, and I, I won't read the whole thing, but... Some of the points that he made was that, first of all, he loves Spike Lee. He said, Spike Lee has been a huge influence on me. He's the reason I went to film school so many years ago. He's the first person I sent a demo tape of my music to when he had 40 Acres and a Mule Music Works. And he has inspired me as a cultural critic as well. He said he never held his tongue about what he thought of Tyler Perry films or any other films that he happened to see and be displeased with. So because of that, um, basically he's saying, I'm going to now say what I have a problem with with Black Klansmen. Okay. His first uh, point is that he says this is not a true story. He said a, true, a story not being true is not necessarily a problem for me. I have no interest in telling them myself at this time, but this is being pushed as a true story. Wow. And it is precisely it its was. untrue elements that make a cop a hero against racism. So he said, it's a made-up story in which the false parts of it tried to make a cop the protagonist in the fight against racist oppression. It's being put while Black Lives Matter is a discussion, and this is not coincidental. He said, this is what we know, and this is still Boots Riley's words. Okay. The real Ron Stallworth infiltrated a black radical organization for three years not for one event like the movie portrays, where he did what all papers from the FBI's counterintelligence program that were found through the Freedom of Information Act tell us he did, sabotage a black radical organization whose intent had to do with, at the very least, fighting racist impression. Hmm. So for those who don't know what COINTELPRO is, that's what he's talking about. Wow. The FBI's counterintelligence program, or so COINTELPRO. He did not, so, his, so basically, he his was working was for the for FBI. The <laughs> it was for COINTELPRO that, um, that really 
damaged so many black organizations. Wow. And which have never recovered. Wow. And so he is saying, but the clans, why but the are we did. making him a hero when he helped dismantle and sabotage programs and institutions that um, were there to help black the black people. communities he said um so so was it just one mission for the like did they swap well, this I'm gonna, thing i'm gonna keep was it like a switcheroo where where it would they made it like it was one for the black panthers but a big huge mission for kkk when in actuality it was a big mission mm-hmm. for the black movement and just one particular thing for the clansmen is that like this well i'm gonna it? i'm gonna Keep reading. COINTELPRO papers show us that these police infiltrators of radical organizations work to try to disrupt the organization through things like instigating infighting, acting crazy to make the organizations look bad, getting physical altercations happening, and setting them up to be murdered by the police or others. Ron Stallworth was part of the COINTELPRO. COINTELPRO's objectives were to destroy radical organizations, especially black radical organizations. COINTELPRO papers also show us that when white supremacist organizations were infiltrated by the FBI and the cops, it was not to disrupt them. They weren't disrupted. It was to use them to threaten and or physically attack radical organizations. There was no directive to stop the rise of white supremacist organizations. The directive was to stop radical organizations. The white supremacists were infiltrated to be more effective tools of repression by the state. In some cases, it was the undercover cops who came up with plans and literally pulled the trigger on assassinations. This happened in church bombings of civil rights movement associated black churches in Birmingham, the assassination of civil rights organizer from Detroit and Selma, the Greensboro massacre of communist workers party members in 1979 and more. This is what Ron Stallworth was helping to do and he was doing it in that era. The events of the film all take place in 1979 and after. Stallworth wrote a memoir to put himself in a different light, but let's look at what else we know. There was no bombing that Stallworth or the police thwarted. This was not in Stallworth's memoir. That was made up for the movie to make the police seem like heroes. There was no cop that got recorded and or arrested due to saying things at a bar while drunk about how he's okay with shooting black folks. This also was not in Stallworth's memoir. This was put in the movie to make Ron and the rest of the police look like they were interested in fighting racism, like they don't all protect whatever racist, abusive cops are there. This is a scene where the whole police force, chief and all, work together with the fictional black radical love interest to set the one racist cop up. Never happened, never would, and someone saying that something vague while drunk wouldn't be able to be arrested for that, but makes the cops look like they are. His partner that did the physical infiltration of the Klan was not Jewish and did not look Jewish to people. This was a made-up thing to raise the stakes and make it seem like the cops were sacrificing more than they were. Add that to the false notion that they were doing it to fight racism and it endears you to the cops more. This means that there was no scene where Stallworth had to go throw a rock through the window or whatever. So I want to just stop right here for a second. So he mentions three about three things here. There was no bombing that Stallworth or the police thwarted. In the movie, it was um, basically all leading up to a bombing that in the movie that, that was the going KKK the was doing that was going to go and, and basically um, kill the Patrice, which was the Stallworth's girlfriend in the movie. And she was, and she was also the, the president movement. of the Black Student Union. So there, So apparently that was not true. And also... At the towards the end of the movie, which was I thought too that this was a weird scene 
where in order to catch this one racist cop that had been basically harassing um, not only Patrice and her and her um, fellow college students, but also Ron at the police force, they were at a bar. He comes up and he starts saying leering things. And he says, I can bust a cap in any... First of all, did they say bust a cap in 1979? I I'm just know. wondering. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I could bust a cap in any black in person I, I want to. And all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, I caught that. So Ron op opens up his shirt and he's there's a mic there. And they're like, did you catch that flip? Which was his partner. And he's at another booth. Yeah, I caught that. And then it was like, did you catch that chief? Yeah, I caught that. And the chief comes walking in and everybody high fives. And it's such a feel good moment. Like, right. yeah, yeah, we, we finally got race, him. The racist cop. Yeah. And that doesn't even exist in, in the police force. It didn't exist back then, and it definitely doesn't exist right now. There is no one trying to to police the police. The police is definitely not trying to police the police. There is no investigation against racism. There's only cover-ups, and if there's no cover-up, then they send the cop to an... They fire the cop. They put pressure on him. Then, in fact, they don't fire him. This is what they do. They put pressure on him. The media puts pressure on him. He resigns. That's that, that's an overwhelming response, and then he simply goes yeah. and gets a job somewhere else. Right. This is what happens in the force. I know, and everybody knows it that they're not going to really lose their job. All they're going to do is lose their job in that residing. Yeah. So that whole scene seemed really made up, but I'm I, I was I I, I, that was sketchy to me. Sure, I didn't know. And though. then um, another scene where oh well, this is what what Boots was referring to was that the partner that represented Ron to the um, KKK. He, in the movie, was supposedly Jewish and looked Jewish. But in reality, like Boots is saying, that this was not true. Right. So but in the movie, it did up the stakes. It was like, oh, okay, he's Jewish. It made okay, it look tense, Jewish. like he's right. Jewish, and that he was putting his life on the line. And when... he had to deny his faith in order to join. And right. it was... It was, and, it was... and they made it out that he got caught and that they found out that he was and his life was on the line and they were going to kill him when none of that was true you know so it's just it's just really interesting to see what the real story was because to me the big deception of the movie was that they made this black guy out to have infiltrated this black organization and he only did it for one mission it was just one meeting and then he turned around and decided i'm not going to do this to my own what I really am going to do is I'm going to infiltrate the KKK. And that is so far from the truth. He right. spent his entire time uh -huh. investigating his own black uh -huh. organization, taking down pro-black organizations that were not as a threat to the whites as these white KKK was to blacks. Um, right. Everybody knows that many of these pro-black organizations were there to empower the community. Empowering means not primarily to put guns in their hands but really to put food on the table a lot of them was feeding programs for children and different things like that and so you know while they weren't the most innocent and only innocent they had an agenda to defend and they were willing to defend with guns but you know so much of that is just lost in in the entire translation and right. and these um these groups were demonized by the american government and pose as a threat and never have they really um, put the same effort and energy into bringing down the KKK as they have um, black organizations. Right. Boots continues by saying, I've met Kwame Ture two or three times and heard him speak more than that. 
By the time he was calling himself Kwame Ture, he had formed the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, AAPRP, and was living in Africa most of the time. The program of the AAPRP for black folks in the U.S. at the time was to help create a revolutionary black intelligentsia. Not army, intelligentsia. Right. They did this through an immensely long reading list and rigorous study groups. He came back to the U.S. and toured colleges to talk to black folks for this reason. At San Francisco State in 1989-90, I took part in a few of these study groups. If you really went up to Kwame Ture and asked him what we should do right now, as Ron Stallworth does in the film, he would have said what he usually said, study. But in the film, it made the black radical group look more dangerous to have Ture say something that sounded like he was calling for armed insurrection, right. which they were not calling for in the U.S. at the time. He said, this movie is trying to make a COINTELPRO operative into a hero. I mean, I he's, he's real... <laughs> I don't he's even know really why. just dissecting this I and I love the fact that he's Spike giving Lee... another end another right why would Spike Lee do that like Spike Lee has for the longest time had integrity in this in this arena and I'm just wondering what would have been his motivation to to do this movie and at the end of the day he said everything else is simply unverifiable stuff that ex-cop Ron Stallworth wrote in his memoir we don't know what happened because the, quote, files were destroyed, end quote. We have to trust the word of a cop who infiltrated a black radical organization for three years. This is probably why it was only able to be published by a publisher that specializes in books written by cops. Mm. Mm. I, there was something about the movie um, that I just that just didn't sit well with me. I didn't. I wasn't inspired. It didn't make sense to me, um, and I don't know. It just it it just wasn't one of those things that rallied me to say, okay, this movie is gonna make a difference. And and now I kind of know, or I get the feeling or the sense of why why I had that feeling. It just there, there's something wasn't right. Didn't sit well with me the way the story was told, but. It was a good cinematology. I didn't yes. fall asleep, and I enjoyed the the, the movie. The just fiction being of a it. movie, of, right? I liked the movie. I liked the movie, right? Exactly. You know, that's what I mean. Because I, I I knew that there was there's um there was criticism, and I and I applaud Boots for being able to stand up and say, well, this is what I feel about it, right? Because this is such a feel good movie for so many people mm -hmm. that i don't think that and feel good not necessarily like it feels good to watch what happened with us but feel good meaning that we get to we get to the feel like as, we you know. help we got in there we helped stop an attack right. and, and all sorts of stuff and then and then there were parts like i said when especially when we're talking about that lynching where it was very um it was emotional and it was very hard to see the images and I'm glad that Spike gets to put these movies in the forefront of the American people. And we all know that before a movie even gets to the first draft, it goes through lawyers, it goes through heads of studios, it goes through so many people. And for the truth, truth to come out in most stories, it never does. It never does. So he is, I don't know how much of this is Spike 
um, acquiescing to changes or editing that they wanted to make it more cinematic in Hollywood. And he going along with it in order to at least bring some of this to some light. Some of this to light, right. Or is this him saying, I'm just going to write this movie to make mm-hmm. money because... Um, uh, Boots at the end of set at the end of this essay says, "By now, many folks know that Spike Lee was paid over two hundred thousand to help in an ad campaign that was aimed at improving relations with minority communities. Whether it actually is or not, Black Klansman feels like an extension of that ad campaign. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, there's so many things that people are doing online that we just don't know what the agenda is. Right. But I can just." isolate the movie as the movie i enjoyed it i didn't like the end though now there was there was almost like two endings there was the end of the actual cinematic part of the movie when that and then it transitions into what is happening currently with david duke trump and everybody in the white house and everything Mm -hmm. but i'm talking about i didn't like the end of the actual story of the movie because he gets a knock on the door ron and his girlfriend go out into the hallway and then they do the classic Spike Lee um, floating dolly. Right. Um, and they're going down this hallway. And at the end of it, you see um, out the window a cross burning. And then you see the um, Ku Klux Klan in their robes surrounding it with torches. I thought, well, I don't want to end on that note. Well, yeah, they both had their guns drawn. Right. And I didn't want it to end on that note. Well, I, it's almost like. It is the truth that no matter what happens, they're still here. I understand that, but as a as a, it was like a, just a, a letdown after the whole the high fiving with getting that dirty cop. It was just like, well, it goes to show uh, you that it was a made up movie because none of it really pieced together to make sense. So you, I can tell now. Now, now it makes a lot of sense that it was all made up, and that, the, and that the. The, the 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 disjointedness of the themes and the movie now makes sense why I felt it was disjointed. Yeah, because um, it was made up. <laughs> and you know when you know when someone tells a lie, mm-hmm. you know, when someone's telling the truth, mm-hmm. no bad no matter how bad the situation is, it flows and you just get the sense like, yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, it's too bad that you did that, but at least I know you're telling the truth. But when someone's telling a lie, none of the pieces come together. It's like something's wrong with your story because it just doesn't sound right. And they were trying to make up something to cover up something. And the truth was that he was not a hero. Right. I I really did, though, enjoy. There were certain scenes where I just loved it almost all of the black people had an afro Mm -hmm. i love that and when you see them dancing and you see them in in their in the club it wasn't like at least in the movie it wasn't like how it really is you know where it's a you know the club scene i don't even have to go into it but how it was there it just seemed like fun and light and everybody in their afros and their you know, this is still um, this was around the time of Soul Train. So people, you know, were going down the line and they're dancing and singing along to the music. And it just felt so just empowering and free and light. Mm-hmm. And then there was that other part when they were talking about the lynching and everybody in the room was in their afros. And we see, you know, all of our complexions as black people. And then they juxtapose it at the same time that the clan the new recruits that have just joined the clan david duke has um has has initiated them in 
And they now sit down in their white robes with their wives and they are watching Birth of a Nation. So it was such a juxtapose of what was happening at the same time in the movie. Movie, I thought it was a really powerful um, visual to see right. the two sides and what they're doing. One is watching an imagined history of the birth of the United States depicting um, black people as as in all sorts of horrible ways. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the president, um, Woodrow Wilson, um, not Woodrow Wilson, the president um, at the time actually is saying, yeah, you know, this, this basically really happened. If it wasn't too bad, this is really true, you know. And what do you what do you think about what do you think about the code switching? Which code switching? Just just the code switching in the movie where they're, um, you know, talking about, you know, um, speaking white, you know. And oh, that. Yeah, that, yeah. that that was like really hilarious. You know, um, they had a lot of comical um, opportunities that they showed where um, where the main guy, Ron, was code switching. And the, and the only reason why he was able to go undetected is because he had such a command of the newscaster you know, dialect where he spoke extremely pop proper. Um, and so uh, there was a part where the Klansman was saying to him, well, I know he, he kind of joking, like, how do you know that, you know, a black guy couldn't just be talking to you right now? And he's like, oh, I know because black people, they when they talk, they say this and they say that. And this is how they say their R's are uh, while while white people, they say are. And so it's just um it was just so interesting because of course um i always say this to rita that you know she has a white voice i mean maybe if, if it wasn't for our topics and if it wasn't for the fact that uh, our our name is onyx life you might not even be able to know or tell that she is actually african-american because she um you know she sounds very proper in her english um and many people associate that with you know with speaking quote unquote speaking white but it was really interesting just to um to see the fun around how blacks oftentimes have to code switch mm -hmm. and in your code switching um it can get you in trouble or it can mm -hmm. get you out of trouble uh for example um the amount of times that you know some people would who would code switch and would be able to speak very proper english would be mistaken as a white person and when they get to the job interview or when they get to the place that they were going to uh, rent an apartment all of a sudden you know it's no longer vacant because the person on the other line could not detect that they were a black person well i mean i've had that happen to me and i'm gonna say what happened to me in a second but i did want to say yes it was woodrow wilson that did um talk about this uh, this movie, Birth of a Nation. Oh, you're talking about the president who... Yeah, President oh, okay. Woodrow Wilson and basically calling it, you know, true history. Anyway, yeah, so Marthel's right. A lot of times on the phone and probably on this podcast, I am mistaken for being white, which is, you know, that's fine. I don't care. But I used to care when I was younger. I used to be called Oreo and I used to be told, you talk white and... Um, I remember one of my friends called me and then he had another person on the phone and he whispered and I heard him, is she white? And I got so upset. And what I would do is I would actually 
put a tape recorder because that's how old we are tape recorders and i would practice how to say certain things and trying to sound as quote unquote black as possible and it was um made me very self-conscious i felt like not accepted because i did not speak with a certain lingo and um and 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 i feel that if you know my kids right now that's they sound a lot like me and i think that now i try to tell them hey listen don't get into the whole um being caught up with who talks white and who talks black and because they're they're we i i personally don't even like those sayings because there's a lot of black people who do sound like me right and there's a lot of white people who i would say sound quote unquote black and so Nowadays, though, I just don't really hear a lot of people even talking to each other in that way, like, you sound white and this and that. I feel like back in the day, maybe for me, it was more of an issue. But I mean, our children never even... Well, I'm just saying our children never complained Mm -hmm. that someone has said that to them or anything. But anyway, so one day I was... um, This was not even that long ago. It was just a few years ago. I was seeing patients at a house and... I had seen this patient and then the next, I I mean, a few months later, I actually had to see him again. So I call and confirm the appointment. Oh no, sorry, I'm I'm getting the story wrong. I had to see both of the the couple, the husband and the wife. And one week I saw the husband and the next week I had to see the wife. And so when I'm calling now to confirm the appointment for the wife for the for that day when I'm supposed to see her, um, he says, oh yeah, the husband is on the phone. And he goes, oh yeah, 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 you were, um, not you, oh yeah, I know that that um, nurse practitioner. I, she was a black girl that came in. She came in last week with me. He didn't say anything like wrong, but he did say, oh, she's the black girl that came last week. And I said, yes, I'm, I'm her. I'm the nurse practitioner. <laughs> and there was silence. Right. Like almost like he was about to get like ready to caught. talk about you. Yeah. And but I don't really feel like I didn't get that sense that he was going to get ready to talk about me. I just think that he was so comfortable and casual and just by saying, oh, it's the black girl. Like he didn't say anything wrong. Oh, okay. But then again, would he have said, oh, it's the white girl that was here last right, week or right. maybe it's the maybe he wouldn't have made maybe he wouldn't even have race. said race exactly right, so right. the very fact that he did i think he was extremely uncomfortable he was silent in fact he had to pass the phone to his wife <laughs> so you never so, heard back from him he was no no like, because what happened was, MIA? <laughs> yeah and then when i went to the house hello hello when i went to the house he was like gone for a bit and um i was and the wife is apologizing profusely about what what is she saying I'm sorry for see that's the thing they never really said for sure what they were apologizing for so i can only assume because they made reference to my race they never said anything bad about me but just that they referenced it and so then the husband comes out and he's bright red still okay he's bright red and he is he can't he can barely like say what he wants to say and i was like it's okay you know it's 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 fine (laughs) Like he didn't like right. guys literally. He didn't, he didn't call word. me any names right, exactly. Right, right. But I found like this is a really sensitive s- subject for them. Right. Very yeah, sensitive, for sure. for and sure. I I just you know I I, made, I try to make them comfortable. Like okay, let's just move on. It's not not a big deal. Right. You know, but I yeah. mean I say white person all the time. I'll be like, 
Yeah, you know that white girl that, you know, or that, you know, that Asian person. Like, I make restaurants all the time. So I think that the, our climate is just so tense right now. Mm-hmm. People just don't know what to say or what not Yeah, but to that say. was even before all of this. This was, this was like... At least, um, I think things were still tense around Obama three or four years Obama ago. Years, Maybe you're right. You're right. Things were still tense. You're right. You know, and um, speaking about Obama, it's just uh, one of the points of the movie. Now that I learned that this guy was actually infiltrating um, the the black movement for the government, it's just a reminder to us that we cannot simply say that we're solving the black problem in America, the black and white problem and racism by simply placing blacks into positions of authority. That 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 in and of itself may be a part of the solution where we're looking for more representation, but it cannot be the entire solve. There are too many black people that have been given positions of privilege and they have not used it in order to make the situation better for the climate. And for racism, they've actually been just used by So you're the saying system. Obama was used? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's a lot of people that do feel that he was. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that personally, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying that there was a lot of people that question how much did he actually do for the black race? Did he go in and did he create any policies that actually helped the community? Like, for instance, in Chicago, he is from Chicago. He was um, a, a, an organizer, a community organizer. He was intimately, he intimately knew the challenges of Chicago. And many people have said that Chicago ended up being worse after he, in his in his term and after his term it ended up being actually worse Mm. meaning that he didn't do anything Mm. and so that's a point that other people have made and Mm. i personally have seen many blacks being hired into positions of privilege including on the police force where we see like some white cops beating up black people and there's like just recently a two black cops were just sitting there watching this guy jump out of his car there's a white officer that's arresting a black guy and the black guy is not doing anything. He's just there and he just jumps out and he just tases him the in black the neck. Cop. No, it's oh, a, the white it was cop. a white cop that just jumped yeah. and tased him but in the neck. What about that story just the other day? It was a black cop and he was going ham on this other guy. Well, the he thing was... about that, the thing about that was that I believe that that's still police brutality, mm-hmm. but I believe that they had a history and there was something going on between the two and he was abusing his power. That's a little bit different. Oh, they had a history. See, there I was didn't some. There was there was a history. That's what oh. they're saying. That there was a history between the two of them. That's they have had words before. Still, they've they've yeah. had a history. Still, like you said, abusing but, his power. But it's abusing his power. But but in this other one, it was a cop that just jumped right out of the car. There was no history. It was just a black guy he saw, and it was already solved. The situation was solved. The other cop had him in handcuffs. He jumped in and he comes in tase. And and from what I understand, he has been reprimanded, and I believe that he has also been suspended. But there was two black cops that was just standing there mm-hmm. and they did not do anything. They didn't step in the way. They didn't try to like hold him back. They didn't, you know, there, there was nothing. There was no response. And it just goes to show you. Um, and we've seen other uh, tapes where um, where the same thing is true. And this is not just among cops, but among all sorts of industry that sometimes people tend to think that. To solve the problem, ooh, that's an easy solve. Let's just get a black person in there. But oftentimes what the racist system does is it vets 
the type of black people that get these positions, they vet them to see how pliable they are to be able to like shift them for them to be a part of the racist system. Mm. Are they are they the type that will say something? And so they ask them questions like like uh, Ron Stalwart in the mo- in the movie. They were asking him questions like, if we hired you, what type of person would you be? Would you do this? Would you do that? Because they're trying to vet to see. Are you the type of person that we can use for our agenda? Are you the type of person that will stand up and right. report Right, in us? the movie they asked him, what if a fellow cop called you the N-word? What would you do? Right. And he had to answer. And I know that in his position, he's thinking, I know what I would want to do, but what do these people want to hear me say I would do? Mm-hmm. And the interesting part it was, it was a black man that was asking him. Now, who was that? Was that... The mayor? What? I don't Because he wasn't on the police force, was he? No, I feel like he was some politician. Yeah. But anyway, I I do think that it was overall, back to the movie, it was a good movie. And I think that you will still enjoy it, regardless of what for sure is true. Because um, there is some really good points in the movie. It inspires a lot of... um, thoughtful discussion especially at the end where he's drawing a lot of comparisons to uh, what has been occurring recently and then Mm -hmm. he ends the movie with an upside down flag basically which um, is the standard symbol of there is we are in a crisis which we are right now. Oh is that what that means? I Mm -hmm. didn't know that. Yeah so that's what we're in guys and there's probably going to be more movies that will come out and like I said, I think that the more movies that come out and books and talks and all these things, hopefully it will all come together to produce an effect where we won't have to, on any end, on any side, have to deal with this type of environment anymore. I would much rather live in peace with everyone, every race. And I'm not just saying that in some idealistic world. I really hope that we get some measure of peace sometime soon. So thanks for listening. Join us again Monday through Friday. Show notes are found on theonyxlife.com. Join our Facebook, The Onyx Life. Follow us on Twitter at The Onyx Life and on Instagram at The Onyx Life Official. Now go live that Onyx Life where change comes with challenge. See you next time. (laughs) 